Welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. We are glad you are taking advantage of this resource. If you would like to find out more information about our church or connect with us, go to cornerstonebv.org. You can also check us out on our Facebook page, at CornerstoneBV. We hope that the message today impacts your life and draws you closer in your walk with Christ. All right, all right, amen. You can have a seat. How we doing? All right, a little warm today? The real Christians come to church. Oh, online people, we love you too, I promise. No. Um, I was kidding, I was kidding. We love you. Um, I uh, brought with me um, one of my favorite props. So much fun. Watch out, Steve. A ladder. Church's ladder, right? And I'm going to um, change some light bulbs while we... While we uh, gosh, let's be the humidity. <laughs> Maybe not. Notice when I walk up this ladder, right? Do it again. Really quick. Very confident. Some of you don't think I should be so confident. I get it, right? My confidence, though, even though I don't really think much about it when I climb a ladder like this, as I look, I'm like, this is a stable, good ladder. I'm not worried, right? Anyone ever been on a ladder where probably shouldn't have had that kind of confidence? Anyone remember that? There's a clip I want you to see. Really short, I promise. It's from the old Home Shopping Network. You guys remember that? I don't know if they still have that anymore, but uh, this was having too much confidence in a ladder you shouldn't. Let's watch that. It's a very easy situation to operate. You just push the buttons in right here on, on the two sides, the two little buttons. And all you do is push them in, and that will release it. And what, right here, push the button in, that releases it. And then after you let go, it locks firmly in place. So really, you're all set. And this is tough. It is. Listen, give you an example. Say you have a, you know, you have to get up on the wall, high ceiling, vault right. ceiling. Hey, listen, just walk right up. And I tell you, it's very safe, it's durable, and oh, it's lightweight. scaring me. So really, <laughs> see, wow. now it's locked in place, okay? So really, you say, oh, Harold, are you okay? Actually, I didn't have it locked. You have to lock it. Once you lock it, you're okay. But it is very safe to operate. So continue to call for it. All righty. Well, <laughs> Harold, I hope you're okay. Harold. That's my favorite. Continue to call for it, right? I've done that with some sermon illustrations. Well, that didn't work. Trust God, all right? That's all I got for you. Um, you know, but, I, but I, I look at Harold, man, he put a lot of confidence in that, and not so much, right? And, and I think is not necessarily ladders, but in life for the Christian, we're sometimes grounded because early on, we, we put our confidence in something we should, ourselves, our life, a church system, a religious system, whatever it might be, and it comes crashing down. And so sometimes that creates a grounded feeling. And even, in, I, I think, in a culture of Christianity sometimes, with some of our music, which I think is, is really good, uh, that we listen to, and has really good points, but a lot of it says, you're nothing, you're weary, you're just laying around like a jellyfish, and God's going to do it all. Right? And there's aspects of that when you are weary, and you desperately need God. But what I want us to be reminded in the passage today is that you have access, not to your power, but to God's power, right? That his strength will carry you and bring you an ability to step into the purpose and the meaning God has for you. But not, you have access to the power of the living God. You have access to not do the things that you think you need to do in life, but to be able to step into the purpose and plan he has for you. And, and that's what we're going to see all over this passage is the power of the living God in the life of his people. 
Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are good and kind and merciful. And Lord, we come before you today, all different places. You know where we're at. You know those who are thriving in their faith right now. Thank you. Continue to bless them in their journey. Those who are questioning or doubting or scared or just not sure what to do right now because of some circumstance, Father, I pray you'd bless them and you'd remind them who they are in Christ. And if there be anyone who doesn't know Christ, that they would leave here knowing the power of God over the grave. We ask you to bless our kids and leaders um, downstairs, that they would recognize and worship you along with us. Same God blessing them as well. Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen, amen. All right, if you're following along, uh, we'll put it on the screen. It's Acts 5, verse 12. We're going to look at quite a big passage. My prayer this week was give something good for your soul as quickly as I can, knowing we're going to have a sauna here at Cornerstone. So uh, um, I don't know if I achieved that or not. If, you, if I don't, blame the Holy Spirit, not me. Okay, I did my best, all right? Okay, um, so it, it, this mission of the gospel, we've seen so far in Acts, Peter preaches, spirit comes, right? 3,000 out of the number, the place is blown up. It's almost exclusively Jewish Christians. There's probably some Gentiles spattered in there, but for the most part, it hasn't gone to the Gentiles yet. It will, we'll see that. But as it blows up, people are coming to Christ, the power of God is everywhere, we're seeing opposition. They heal a cripple man. Peter and, and uh, John are hauled in before the, the Sanhedrin, Jewish council, and told to stop preaching Jesus. And they were like, yeah, we, we can't do that. Different translation, but that's basically what they said. We, we can't stop sharing what we have seen and what we have heard. And so they don't. And we've seen more people become, come to Christ and more opposition, right? And then we're going to see even the greatest summary so far as Luke tells us what was going on, starting verse 12. Now, many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. And they were all together in Solomon's portico. By the way, if you were here with us a couple weeks ago when they prayed for God to do signs and wonders through them, guess what? God answered. And they're all, Solomon's portico is a place in the temple. It was a big area. It could hold a lot of people. So we see Christians early on meeting and worshiping and teaching. All right? And, and that's what they're doing there. Now, an interesting phrase, he says, the, the, none of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. So who the rest are? We think that's not yet Christians, right? They're, they're there and they're like, we really have a lot of respect for what we're seeing. God's doing a lot of amazing things, but eh, we'll kind of stay back here. Maybe they heard about Ananias and Sapphira, right? Maybe they were like, eh, I'm not sure I'm going to join that club, right? And, and yet, they hold them in high, high esteem. They're seeing the power of God all over the place. But even within the midst of that, then more than ever were added than ever before. We, we've seen 3,000 in one day, and yet here we are, all these people coming to know the power of God, coming to know Jesus Christ. It's an amazing time, and so now, as the church strives even more, the opposition is going to get even heavier, right? But first, the summary of statement of what's happening is incredible. Luke writes this. So that they even carried out the sick into the streets 
and they laid them on cots and mats. That as Peter came by, look at this, by at least, that, that at least his shadow might fall on some of them. Like, Luke doesn't tell us that did actually do anything. Maybe it did, maybe it didn't. Well, it, it would be their faith anyway, right? But what this shows is how, first of all, desperate they are. They're like bringing them out in the streets in cots, hoping that some dude's shadow will fall on them, right? Because they're so desperate for healing. And, and what happened? He continues this way. The people, verse 16, also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits. And they were all healed. All healed. What a scene. This should remind us of early in the Gospels. Like Jesus' Galilean ministry when, when you know, crowds are all over the place. He's healing everybody. Remember, showing the power of God in that healing was always to authenticate the real most powerful thing God ever did, the power over the grave, right? To show the message of the, of, of the gospel is true. Same thing's happening here, right? And you're seeing all these people who are demonically harassed and possessed, people who are sick with all kinds of diseases and illness, and they're all being healed. This seems amazing, right? You'd think maybe the high priest would, would think something was going on. It was good. But as usual... That's not the case. But the high priest rose up and all who were with him, that is the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and they put them in public prison. I mean, it's, it's public, right? So you got all these people, they're gaining favor with, the, with, with all the masses and the crowds and the sick people, right? And so they go and they very publicly arrest these guys, right? And they put them in a very public prison to display them and to say, hey, where are they now? Where's God's power in them now? They're behind bars. That was the message here because it's so public. Luke tells us why they did this. They did do it for a religious reason, a spiritual reason, a theological reason. No, good old two-year-old theology, they did it out of jealousy. It's not just kids that get jealous, right? You and I, we have to be careful because very few things in life will ground us from stepping into the purpose and plan God has for us, like jealousy. Right? Like jealous of that marriage, jealous of how their kids are going, jealous of their career, jealous of their bank account, jealous of how they do in school, jealous of, of their ministry. Right? Pastors, jealous of their church and how they're doing. It nothing, because here's what you're doing when you're jealous. You're looking around, you're looking at other people, and you're completely missing what God is uniquely doing powerfully in your life, in your family, in your ministry, right? And what he will do. And you're grounded because you're jealous. That's what's happening here. I mean, the high priests, the Sanhedrin, they, they could be like, man, I, I don't know. If, just a little bit of humility. They have to recognize there's something happening here. Dude, shadow's healing people, right? And yet... Jealousy has robbed them of all of that. And so they put them in prison. And the apostles, I mean, they're human. they got to be thinking, come on, God, things are going so well. Why? Well, but God. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, go, stand in the temple, speak to the, to the people. All the words of this capital L 
life. I love that. It's a very short summary statement. But a lot happens here, right? Like this wasn't a Marvel movie battle, right? <laughs> right? It's blown, people blowing stuff up, fighting and jumping around. No, no, no. It was an angel that was like, you, you got a picture, right? They're, they're behind bars. They're behind cell doors. And there's guards. They're like this, right? And, and, and somehow an angel just kind of goes, <clears throat> excuse me. Come on, guys. We got to go. We got to go. Okay. Right? So they go. And the angel doesn't tell them. Run and hide. Go form a protest line around the temple. Like, like, no. Go back and share with the people the mission. The words of capital L, life. The gospel. You see, it's one thing to get cured of a disease that, that affects this life, this 10, 20, 30 years, or whatever it might be. That's hard, and no one's saying it isn't. But the message of the gospel is what's going to happen to you in one trillion years from now? Will you be dead and separated from God? Will you be judged by God? Or will you be still growing in the knowledge of his love and his grace and his mercy and his presence a trillion years from now? The words of life. The power of God over death itself. Over sin. The cross. The resurrection. Right? Go tell them that. So the question is, because it's scary. They just arrested us. Shouldn't we maybe hide out for a while? Because the apostles were really good at hiding, if you remember, pre-Holy Spirit. It's a talent of theirs. Upper room it's hiding a very easy lock, with locked doors. To operate. You just push the buttons in right here on, on the two sides. The that two sounds like buttons. a smart guy and talking. And all you do is push. Thank you for shutting that guy up. All right. That's me, um, I think. All right. What did they do? Verse 21. You can put that back up when, uh, when you're ready. Okay. Verse 21. When they heard this... They enter the temple at daybreak and began to teach. So it's morning time, right? And they go and they obey. They simply begin to teach. And they just say, whatever happens, we're going to obey God. So imagine now if you're with the high priest, right? They're going to, it's morning time, right? And they're going to gather and they're the tough guys. We're going to put a trial on for these apostles. We're going to show them what's up. We're going we're, we're, we're to charge them with some crimes here, right? So now when the high priest came and those who were with him, they called together the council, all the senate of the people of Israel. And they sent to the prison to have them brought. <laughs> and we snicker. Because imagine the scene, guards. All right, we need, we need, where are they? Right, what? The guards were like, uh-oh. What's happening, right? What's, what, what, what in the world is going? Right? Now, when, when the high priest came, they were with him. They called together the council. All the sent of the people of Israel sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison. So they returned and reported. We found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. <laughs> I mean, this is like a comedy at this point, right? There's literally no one. They're guarding nobody. And it continues. Now, when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them, wondering what this would come to. And someone then came and told them, look, the men whom you put in prison, they're standing in the temple and teaching the people. Ugh! We told you to stop doing that. You're supposed to be under lock and key. And there they are back. Like a bad penny, they keep popping up. They keep popping up. And so, 
This is my, my favorite part of the story, I, I think, um, because it's subtle, but watch. The captain with the officers went and brought them. So that's the apostles, but not by force. They were afraid of being stoned by the people. So the night before they get arrested, it's more like this. Let's go. You, you, come on. Public prison, we're going to deal with you in the morning. You just think about your sins, right? Now it's, hey, guys, don't mean to interrupt. Um, if you get a second, would you mind coming with us? Just, just want to work a few things out. Just want to kind of talk through some things. If, if it'd be all right, right? Just come with us, come with us, right? Because Not because he suddenly has great respect for them, but because all the people love them. Like, how awkward would it be if the apostles are like, nah, I don't think so. We're good. Try to arrest them with all those people who are being healed and freed from demons and all this stuff. Like, I want to arrest those guys. Like, it could go poorly. And so he's got to now try to gently bring them so that the council and the high priest can talk to them. But fortunately, the apostles see this as an opportunity, right? An opportunity to witness these words of life to the highest of this religious council. So when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them. He's going to have two big charges. Watch. First, saying, we strictly charge you to not teach in this name. Never likes to say the name, but we all know we're talking about Jesus here, right? Get here, you filled Jerusalem with your teaching. We told you to stop it, right? Stop it. And they're like, yeah, we told you we weren't going to. I don't really understand the problem here, right? Like, I don't, we didn't lie. So we're going to share what we've seen and heard. Second thing's even fine. And I want you to imagine this with your great, greatest like two, three-year-old, four-year-old whiny voice, right? So the second one is, you also intend to bring this man's blood upon us. It's just my, my version, all right? And the reason I think it's like that is because, it's like, dude, if you remember, it wasn't that long ago, we can read about it, Matthew 27, where Pontius Pilate himself, the Roman governor, is like, like, why are you doing this? This doesn't make, seem to make sense. And they're like, just do it. His blood will be upon us and our children. They said that publicly. Now they're like, don't tell him it was us. Why are you accusing of being us? Because it was you. That's why. Right? And so that's what they charge them. Now Peter answers with all the apostles, here, if you're going to memorize anything from this passage, because this is the way to do Christian life. Right here. Right? This response, right here. Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. Simple as that. They're not, notice, they're not angry finger-pointing, fist-waving, protest-craving, maniacal, religious zealots. They're kind, gentle, respectful, giving the benefit of the doubt, but in the end, they will obey God and not man. That is how we need to do life. Everywhere we can, give someone the benefit of the doubt. Everywhere we can, to show kindness, forgiveness, grace, and mercy. To not be known as those crazy, angry people who are always pointing our fingers. Instead, to show grace and mercy and gentleness and kindness and forgiveness. All of that. However, we obey God, not man. 
If it kicks us out of our popular group, God, not man. If you lose your job, God, not man. If you go to prison, God, not man. If you die, God, not man. You see, these same apostles, remember, this is descriptive, so you cannot expect it always to work out like this. These very same apostles who got to get released and all this awesome stuff, 11 of the 12 died gruesome, horrible deaths for the cause of Christ. And John probably wished he did. Banished, tortured, all kinds of stuff. Right? So, so the point isn't that you'll always be delivered, you'll always be healed. The point is, is God's power is greater than anyone or anything that will ever, ever come against you. And so you can trust him, obey him, and say, God, not man. God, not man. They continue as they close this, this out. I love this. <laughs> I just love this. This has to be Peter, right? They just said, stop blaming us. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed, by hanging him on a tree. They're like, stop saying that. You keep saying that, right? Because it's true. God exalted him at the right hand as leader and savior to give, hear this, repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. These, that what he's saying is, yes, you killed him, but that cross, resurrection, exaltation, all of that gives the opportunity for Israel. Guess who that's included? Those very people in that room, high, high priests, Sadducees, Pharisees, scribes. You can have forgiveness because this Jesus died for you and rose and is exalted at the right hand as Savior and Lord. Right? And he, he concludes it this way. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. Right? That, that you too, he's telling them, it's an opportunity to share to the highest council of the Jewish faith that there is life, capital L, found in the name of all names. Yes, the one you killed. Yes, the one you sinned against. But the one who said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. For the one who conquered the grave, the power of God over death, over shame, over lostness, so you can have hope, not hopelessness, forgiveness and restoration and redemption, the power of God. You're never going to find that power through your religious works, your philosophical uh, path, your moral high ground. You're never going to find that power, but you can have it by putting your faith in the name above all names, Jesus Christ. And so what is the point that I want us to see is that God is the power behind your life and mission. Don't underestimate the power of God. When you think about that in your own life, you think about it even when we um, just read through that story together. Think about all the things that tried to come against God, his people, his plan, and his mission. Diseases, illness, but God healed. Demonic forces, evil spirits, but God driven out. The high council, the guards, the prisons seemed impossible, right? But God released. 
Think about all of the human emotions that had to be there. It's easy to read in our Bibles and be like, yeah, 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 yeah. How desperate do you got to be to have a friend carry you from a surrounding town into the city on a mat, laid on the ground, hoping that a guy's shadow will come across you? Like, how desperate you got to be in your life? How sad, how broken, right? But God. Or how desperate is someone's family member, loved one, and they're possessed, they're demonic, and it's, I don't know what to do. And so you bring them. How, how uh, lonely and scared for those moments anyway, hours, whatever it was, for the apostles in that prison to go, is this it? God, did you bring us this far to end it now? I don't know. How many of us can relate to that? But God. You see, whatever comes against you, even in the lowest, darkest part of your life, you can trust, not you, that's the ladder that breaks. Not me, the church, anyone else. You trust the power of Almighty God. And the best place that we've seen this displayed is the power of God in the capital L life. And I don't know where you are now. Maybe you've been there. I know I was once there where you thought, you still could kind of do this on your own. The younger we are, the more we think that. All right, if I just get this, achieve that, I know all these old people say they can't be done, but I'm going to be the first to do it. The problem is we see all these hyper-successful, um, hyper hyper-rich people. They get to the pinnacle of it, and they're the loneliest, most miserable people because they realize there's nothing here. There's nothing here. It can't save me. You see, the most humbling and beautiful place to come to is realizing the power that you need is the power of your creator who loves you so much, he sent his only son to die for you. That you're invited by faith to trust these words of life. Same message, 2022, as it was all those years ago in Jerusalem. The apostles had. Don't try to get my shadow to come across you. I ain't Peter, all right? But the words of life and the power of God hasn't changed one iota. Have you trusted in that power? Have you trusted in that name? Or maybe you've said you have. Like there's, there's agreeing with some facts and then there's that actual power of salvation. Like I was, I think I was procrastinating a little bit in my office past week. It came about some photos. Ever since we started um, videoing baptisms, we don't take photos. So these are old old photos of people I've baptized. And there's some in that mix, and man, I've seen uh, some, even probably here this morning, that I've seen the power of God work so mightily in your life, step by step, amazing ways, right? Then there's others, I'm like, man, it was like two weeks later, we never saw them again. And based on what I see online or people that know them, they don't believe in God. What happened? Well, I don't know what happened, and I'm not God. I can't judge their hearts. But my guess is they, they, they kind of uh, got an emotional reaction, or they said, yeah, I think I believe that, or they heard a, a sermon, or they, they, someone talked to them. But they, they, just, they just never really, they never experienced the actual power of salvation and redemption. New life. When you experience that, you know it. So if you're sitting there like, I think I'm a Christian, but I'm bored by everything. I, I really don't want to do anything God's way. I don't really care that much. My guess is you've never actually received the power of God over the grave. And the most humbling and yet greatest gift you can give yourself is to admit that. And say, all right, God, are you real? Are you real? Can I trust you? And if you want to, do it. But I already kind of did, and I played this game. God knows you're playing a game. Stop playing the game. He never played it. 
and come to him in faith, wherever you might be, to understand he's the power behind your life and mission. Not only that, for those of us, and I know there's many of us, me included, who are Christians, we've experienced the power of that salvation. Right? We've experienced it. But we forget. We forget. Like I said, we're grounded. We're like, well, I failed, and I'm not really good at that, and I don't really have to, right? whatever the excuses are. Here's what I equate us with. and I actually thought about bringing a, an actual fire hose in, because some of you would love if I sprayed you right now. Not normally, because that kind of hurts, but today maybe you, you, you wouldn't mind. That's a fire hose, but it's not on. I think that's a lot of us, right? Access to the power. Not my power. Not the power of my mind or my creativity. The power of the living God. I have access to that. But a lot of times I've turned it off. And I'm over here going, God, I'm nothing. I'm a slug. I'm, I'm. No, you're not. You were. <laughs> but he, he's, he's, he's given you the power of his spirit. It's the same God in Acts chapter uh, 5 who lives with us today, dwells with us right now. And so even though it's a different hose, I just love this picture. This is a scene of when you recognize that. Don't you love that hose? Okay, that could kill someone right there. But that's you, right? That is what you have access to, not your power. Just like the ladder, his. Right? Whatever it, it, it might be that we have kind of let ourselves be grounded, right? We've, we've, it can be life issues, you know, our, our, our relationship, our marriage, or a wayward child who are just like, oh, we want to give up. A ministry that we've tried and failed. So many different things where we just go, ugh. And we obey man instead of God. Maybe it's a ministry. Maybe it's you've been called to share Christ with that friend or, or that neighbor. You're like, not me, I've got to read some books first. I've got I to gotta call the pastor, invite him over, or maybe... He can talk to him, but God's put him on your heart. And you got to realize that your words aren't going to save anyone, neither are mine. Like, no matter how great the sermon goes, that, that'll get you to your parking lot. I've said it all the time, right? I'll get you to your car, and it's like really hot. Someone cuts you off, and it's all over. That's all I can do for you. The power of God behind his word, that'll change you for, forever. And same goes for you. It's, you don't have to, oh, well, uh, the pastor has more power. No, no. That's not how it works. You're a Christian, you got that access too. The power of God as you share Christ with someone. The power of God as you minister to that child. The power of God as you step into that place that you're scared to step into. Because what if you fail? You might. God never, ever, ever will. Whatever comes against you, whoever tries to thwart you, God is bigger and greater and stronger. You can trust him. You can believe him. Right? And so where do we land? It's not, well, we'll just kind of sit here and let God do it. No, 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 no. What did you read in that passage? Understanding God's power. Once we see that, it leads to faith and obedience. Like, I don't know how many times that's ended up being a point in my sermon, right? Faith, obedience. Faith is you should trust him. Like, suddenly you're like, wow, God is huge. God has God saved me from the grave. God has done so much. He is, he is God, and he's called me to this. I can trust him. He's called me in this lonely marriage to stay the course, be the husband or wife I'm supposed to be. 
He's called me to these kids as hard as it can be. He's called me to this ministry. He's called me to this whatever it is in your life. And you can trust him. And so what do you do? You obey. Right? You obey. You turn the, the faucet on. Remember? The, the, they were told, hey, you get out of prison. Go back and preach. Okay. Stop preaching Jesus. Yeah, no, we're not going to do that. You really need to stop preaching Jesus. Yeah, uh, we're going to obey God, not, not you. Just respectfully, just want to let you know. We're going to trust God. We're going to believe God. We're going to stand. So maybe it's uh, uh, for, for our students, school, campus, where everyone says you're stupid because you're a Christian. And it's like, what's the point? The point is, is God more powerful than that whole group that says you're stupid. You trust God in that, not man. And it's hard. If you think you're standing on your own power, your own strength, you're crumbling to the ground like that ladder we saw. But when you realize you're standing on the power of God, you keep obeying, keep stepping in, keep going where he's called you to go. Maybe it's a prison, not a physical prison, although I didn't check ankles on your way in. Who knows? That's okay. You're welcome here. Maybe it's a prison you formed around you or someone else has. Financial prison, a relationship prison, right? Whatever it is, you feel like, I'm never getting out of this. I'm done for. I'm stuck. I'm fill in the blank. No, you are not. Is God not powerful enough to release you? Is God not powerful enough to heal you? Maybe he will. Maybe he won't. But the one thing you need to understand is he can if he wills. And if he doesn't, it means he has a better plan. And so the whole idea of this for you and I is to pray today, this week, God, where am I not trusting you and therefore not obeying you? Am I not trusting you in my singleness, in my marriage? Am I not trusting you to step back into ministry? I've been sidelined because I got burned or I'm weary or I'm this or that. Where have you called me to? You see, we have great blind spots. We're good at that, right? Excuses, oh, I don't see that. So I'm going to pray for you in a second and ask for you to pray and say, God, just humble me enough to see what is the area, or it's usually areas, that I'm not trusting you right now. And give me the strength to trust you and obey you. I'm going to invite our worship team up. I'm going to ask you if you can, if you're not watching somebody, to close your eyes or make yourself comfortable and pray alongside with me. Father, there's blind spots in my life, in our lives, where we have made excuses. We've, we've said we're trusting you, but we're not. Would you show each and every believer who's with us or online with us where those are? Where are we not trusting you, Lord? Would you give us a reminder, a powerful reminder of how awesome and powerful you really are. So that we might not give up on that relationship. We might not give up on that ministry. We might not give up on that person we're praying for. We won't give up in that illness. We won't give up because you are God. We are not, but you are. We are not just pathetic jellyfish. We're filled with the spirit of the living God. Lord, let us see that, tap into that, live that way for you. Give us the courage. 
Lord, open the eyes of those this morning who realize they've never trusted Christ. They've never trusted, capital L, the life. And that today they just say yes to Jesus. I know I can't get them to do that, Lord. That's why I'm asking you to. That you would open their eyes. That you would change their hearts. That you would give them the faith to believe. To confess and believe. So, Lord, we acknowledge together this morning that Jesus' name is above all names. That he's been exalted to the right hand of the living God and he will come again in glory and honor and power. And we long for that day. And in the meantime, we ask you to give us strength to live with that power and courage in our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you're able, why don't you stand and worship him, the name above all names, Jesus Christ.